why not just take his original plan? I mean, no, sometimes when you start getting duplicates, you lose the real meaning. Sometimes if we stray too far, all the word of God is good, but he has given us a blueprint for this last day church. He has given us a picture of what he desires for the church to look like in this last day, and about this is the church I want to be a part of. How about you? Amen. This is the church that I want to be a part of. Glory to God. And uh, so I just want to share with you a few things tonight. We've been talking about uh, the book of Acts and chapters 1. Two and three, and I pushed a little bit on chapter five on Sunday morning. And uh, I just want to uh, kind of bring this together. We talked about it um, that Jesus went about doing and teaching. Right? And uh, so uh, we, we, I believe that we're just going to do a little something here tonight at the end, but for more leads, but I just want to teach on this tonight and, and see what God will do because I believe that God is wanting this, us not to just, uh, you know, teaching is information and preaching is inspiration. You put the two together and you not only know how to do a thing, but you have a desire to do a thing. And so we have to have it line upon line, precept upon precept. We have to have the talk word as well as the preach word. And then the demonstration of that word. And uh, so I want to go on. And then we'll go back to the book of Acts, but I want to start tonight in Mark chapter 4, and uh, starting in verse number 3, Mark chapter 4, verse 3, and it said, Listen, I found a out. Uh, to sow his seed. And as he uh, was scattering the seed, some fell along uh, the path, and the birds came and ate it. They ate it all, ate it up, right? And some fell on rocky plant places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because of the uh, soil was shallow. But when the 
the sun came up, the plants were uh, scorched and they withered because uh, they had no light. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not uh, bear fruit or grain. Still another seed fell on good soil and it came up green and produced uh, a crop some uh, multiplied thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times or a hundredfold. Amen. I want to look at this tonight because I believe that it is a picture of the believer. Tells me that seventy five percent of what I do is going to be fruitful. I can be discouraging, can it? But twenty five percent is going to produce me a harvest. It's going to produce fruit. Notice with me that not all of the seed fell on the same type of soil. It speaks about different hearts, right? The soil is good. Oh, excuse me, the seed is good. Right? The seed is good. It's the soil that is having a problem here. The seed is God's word. The soil is your heart. How have you prepared your heart for the seed of God's word? If it is stony, if, if you've allowed the things of life to, to get to you and you begin to get a little tarnished and you begin to get hard-hearted, Going to stop the seed of God's word from being what it said it was, it just isn't going to work in you. Amen. Uh, he said that there was others that came along and it was thistles and, and it to be a 
ashamed of the gospel, and that rightly dividing the word of truth, we, we got to know the word of God, so that when all of these other isms and seasons of this world start rising up, they will choke out the word of God in our life. But we will be able to hear the word and grow from the word. Then he said that if there is another group because of their, their shallowness, I mean, there are some folks they, they just go to church whenever, you know, it, it's good. When everything's hooping and hollering and glory to God, uh, you know, it is in my mouth. Yeah, it's hooping and hollering a little bit, right? Uh, but what, what the problem is, is whenever the hoop and the hollers over and it's time to plow, there ain't nobody to be found. And, and he said that, you know, they went down to the next dance. And what has happened is, is we missed, we missed that. Because we're shallow. And you know, there's times, can I be honest? There's times whenever I don't feel safe. Your pastor wakes up somewhere and don't feel a bit safe. I don't feel Holy Ghost coming all over me. I don't feel angels dancing in, in the, you know, Holy Spirit whispering in my ear saying, get up, take a shower, get in the car, go left, and you'll find a million dollars there under the rainbow. I don't Sometimes I don't feel nothing, I don't see nothing, but I'm just as saved on those days as I am the nights I can't sleep because the presence of God is stirring in my spirit. Amen. It isn't about how I'm feeling, it's about what I know that this Word of God has done in my life. And because the Word of God has taken launch and, and, and planted in my life, then the Word of God is going to bring forth. Praise God. And so then he says that there's some that, that is shallow, it, it grows up, it looks good for a little bit, but it won't produce anything because it has no root system. You've got to have a root system, baby. Amen. If you don't have a root system, then the wind starts blowing, the trouble starts, a little drought comes, and guess what? You dry up and you blow out. But you've got to have a root system where you get rooted and grounded and stood fast in the world. God and say, no matter what comes my way, I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to bless the name of the Lord. I am 
going to give him glory and praise even in circumstances that I do not understand. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will be in my mouth. Amen. And those gifts will work in any area, any arena of life. And so it isn't just about the church, neither is it just about the world. But God gives us those gifts so that we can be blessed, not only in the church, but also in the world or vice versa. But we've got to press into this thing and say, I'm not satisfied with just mediocrity. Amen. I believe that we have a good church, but I believe that God wants us to have a greater church. Amen. I believe that we have great ministry going on, but God wants us to have greater ministry going on. He wants us to see his power. He wants us to demonstrate his authority. And so we have to keep on pushing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Amen. This Acts church is a church full of power. And I'm going to give you a few things tonight that I believe has caused it to be powerful. Is that okay? If you got a pen and paper, you can write it down. If you don't have paper and have a pen, just write it on your neighbor's arm. Number one is the gospel is meant to be aggressive. The gospel is meant to be aggressive. That does not mean it, it is ugly. That does not mean that, that it is uh, preached with meanness. You may remember whenever folks used to get up and testify and they said, I tried to witness the three people and they all shut the door in my face, glory be to God. And, and they act like that that was because, you know, that, uh, well, I don't know, I ain't going to even suggest what they thought. But what I'm saying is this, it isn't about us, the meaner that we are, the more spiritual we are, but the gospel is meant to be aggressive. We preach it without fear, we preach it without reservation, and we believe God to do what he said he would do. In Acts, I'm just going to walk through here a little bit tonight, so if you want to turn to Acts. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it said, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, we're not against education, right? Get all you can get. Glory to God. But there is something that goes beyond education. We talked about it Sunday. And that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you cannot cross, when you can't get the dots connected, the anointing of God and the power of God, the faith of God 
will can bring take you to a place that you cannot get with your intellect and your mind. And they are speaking here and saying that, that whenever they saw Peter and John, they saw a boldness. They didn't see a timid Peter and John. They didn't see them just walking up and saying, well, now, if you think that you would like it, you can have it. If you think it would be good for you, we'd like to offer it to you. No, they were bold in their statements. They were, had walked in authority. And man, and they perceived that they were uneducated. They understood that they had not been trained in the schools of the day. But they marveled because they realized that the same anointing that was upon Jesus was now upon them. Hallelujah. And they walked it out and they spoke the word of God aggressively. They declared the word of God with boldness. Praise God. I want to submit to you and and hear it in the spirit I'm saying it. We don't need uh, any more word. We've got word today, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We've got it in in reading form. We've got it in listening form. It's all around us. What we need is boldness to exercise the word in which we have heard and declare that it's more than just a history book, but it is resurrection power. The words of this book are a living word. They have no expiration date. And whenever I speak them in faith, it has the same authority and the same boldness as it did when Jesus spoke the words. When I declare it by my faith, the word of God will take alive and it will move and it will minister just like it did when Jesus spoke it. Amen. In Acts 4. And 29, walk, just walk with me, 4 and 29. Now, Lord, look on uh, their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Let me know that you don't just speak it in good times. But whenever people are threatening you, you don't waver from the word. The word must be aggressively given. Praise God. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes in Pentecost circles and and, and charismatic circles, the only emphasis on the Holy Spirit's the tongues. But Tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost coming into your life. Love is the ongoing evidence. Because you can, you can have all of these other things, but he says that whereas if we have not love, then we're like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He said, you've got to understand it's more than just the gift. But he said with that gift, what we miss sometimes is this boldness that comes. And God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can speak with boldness, so we can declare the word of God with boldness. In verse 31 or 33, and with, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. God wants us to go in power and he wants us to go in boldness with the word of God. And that's what made the book of the the church of acts a power church. Amen. They didn't water it down. They didn't, you know, you be happy. I'll be happy. And we'll all be happy. They spoke the word with boldness. Number two, discipleship must be intentional. One person asked in Washington one day there was a, 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 a man taking a tour and he nudged an old fellow that was sitting there on the park bench asleep and he said, hey, he said, do you know uh, how many great men were born here? He said, there weren't any, just babies. Disciples ship does not just happen it is intentional amen you must pour yourself 
into uh, in be it put, put, put uh, emphasis on being in the right place at the right time. Amen. The purpose is that I can be discipled, that I can become who God said that I would become and do what God said I would do. And I would submit to you as I have in past days that the greatest problems that the church has today is because of the lack of discipleship that has taken place in the body of Christ. And as a whole, we are ignorant and unlearned and we love the presence of God, but we don't know the God of the presence. And we've got to come to a place where that we understand and know God and know his word to the best of our ability. And we've got to apply ourselves to do it. Amen. That's the reason why we put such an emphasis around here. We have it on Sunday mornings. We have it on Sunday evenings. We have uh, different opportunities to be in part of life groups. We'll start that up again in September the 9th. We have Sunday mornings when you can do it. But wherever you do it, it does not matter when. It doesn't matter where. But what does matter is you be involved in discipleship. Because if you're not involved in discipleship, it is unwise. Can I make that any more clear? It is unwise. You will never know the goodness of God. You will never know the depths of God and his richness and his goodness if you do not take time to get involved in discipleship and make that commitment. You'll never have time to read God's word. You'll never have time to pray. You'll never have time to get into a Bible study and into the word of God. You've got to make time. You've got to do it intentionally and say, I am going to learn. I am going to mature and I am going to develop. Praise God. Amen. And the reason why people don't do this is because it's easier to stay a kid than it is to grow up. Amen. It's easier for somebody else to buy your clothes and for mama to cut up your meat. Come on. It's easier, right? For somebody else to take care of you. But someday you got to grow up, right? And sometimes we don't want to take the responsibility as believers to grow up. Because with, uh, with understanding to him to know to do good and doeth it not. Now we've got a responsibility because we know the word. So we think if we don't know the word, then we won't be responsible for the word. And so we, met a, we come to this place where we get satisfied with this 30% in our lives and say, I hope I can make it till Jesus comes. But I, I declare to you today that it's worth the price that you will have to pay. Discipline yourself to study the word of God. Discipline yourself to have prayer time with God and it will pay off in the end. Amen. The third thing that causes this power, this church to be full of power is number three is that participation is mandatory. Participation was mandatory. People will kill you trying to help them when they don't want to participate. Amen. Have you ever tried to help somebody and after you got so wore out, you look back over that thing and you realize the only thing missing from the equation was them? I mean, here you are killing yourself, giving it all, doing whatever you can do and look back and they just over there eating, you know, frosted flakes and drinking your milk and never, never never taking and saying, I've got something I can do about this. Give it, pr putting something in. Are you with me tonight? All right. Five of you. Praise God. But you see, when we look at this New Testament church, participation was mandatory. You don't get power just because somebody else has it. It don't just fall over on you. Jesus helped those who came and participated, not those who came and spectated. Jesus would have, uh, the Bible says that he would be passing by. And the scripture says many times he would have passed them by. 
But what happened? The people did not just spectate, but they participated. Amen. In Mark chapter 6, we see the story there. And in verse 48, how that the disciples were out on the sea, right? And the Bible said that the disciples were there. The storms began to rise. They began to rage. And all of a sudden, Jesus says at the fourth watch of the night that he's going to go check upon them. But it's interesting to me. It said he was about to pass them by. King James said he would have passed them by. What what caused him not to pass them by? He was going to go minister to them. He was going to help them out. And yet he's still going to pass them by. Why? If they had not participated, it caused me to wonder how many times the good Holy Ghost showed up in our situation to help us out was came right on down to move and to minister in our situation. But because we didn't participate, he passed us on by. My God. I don't want to, to for the Holy Spirit to come to my aid and then me not participate and just spectate. But whenever it comes, I want him to do his work in my life. I want him to do that, whatever it is that he needs to do. What did they do? The Bible said that they cried out. They didn't just spectate and say, oh, there goes a ghost. But they cried out. And when they cried out, Jesus came to where they was. Amen. You see, whenever we're, we come into worship and we come into the presence of God, we may not have all the words. We may not have our vocabulary just right. And we may not have everything going just the way that we think. But sometimes it's just a cry out that'll cause Jesus to stop, just to cry out, that'll cause him just a lifting of the hands and allowing our soul to express ourselves sometimes in silence through tears streaming down our face is a cry out to God that he will minister to, he will move him with compassion. As the Bible said many times, he looked upon them and had compassion upon them. Why? Because they desired for him to move in their lives. My brother, Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that whenever we come to the house of God, if we want to be a church that has power, we cannot be a spectator sport, but we must participate in this place. Amen. When the worship leader says, lift your hands, you don't say, I don't feel nothing. Amen. Whenever I say, clap your hands and you don't feel like it, you don't just sit there and say, I ain't going to do that. Huh? Come on. Well, I just don't think that's necessary. Right? Number one, that's a spirit of rebellion. Amen. I'm pastoring tonight. And number two, that is just a spectating and not participating. And so it isn't about if you feel like it or not. If you're asked by leadership to lift your hands, you ought to lift your hands and bless the Lord. Amen. If, if leadership asks you uh, to get into the thing, it isn't just because, because sometimes, listen to me, sometimes in, in the presence of God, leadership will not sense something before you do. <laughs> Told you I'm going to pastor a little bit. Leadership will sense something before you do sometimes. And in a sense, something's about to shift. Something's about to take place. But we need participation in it. And when we get participation in it, all of a sudden, whatever is holding it back will be broken because now, instead of one putting a thousand to flight, we have two putting 10,000 to flight. And what if we have 200 participating together? We have a host of heaven that is coming to us. Praise God. Amen. What's he putting to flight? He's putting to flight the angels. What's the angels doing? The Bible said the angels are released to come and minister to the heirs of salvation. Glory to God. Amen. And so what happens is this. Whenever I begin to praise him, I take the place, brother John, of an angel. 
Hallelujah. And my praise goes before the throne of God and I release the angels of heaven and they come. How are they coming? They come to minister the heirs of salvation. My praise can take the place of a thousand angels. But when we get corporate praise that begins to worship, he said two of us will release 10,000 angels to come and minister. I can't get my son saved. I can't get that person delivered. I can't get that person healed. But if I'll begin to worship God, the angelic host will come and he'll deliver your son. He'll deliver and set your captive spirit free. He'll give you joy in the midst of your trouble. It is worth living up and praising him and say, I will participate in the house of the Lord. Oh, come on and bless him right there. Glory to God. Bible said in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, there were two blind men sitting by the way crying and heard that Jesus was coming by their way. And they began to cry out, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus met them because they participated. The cry that said that he stopped and minutes said, bring them to me, suggest to me, had they not cried, brother Jack, he would not have said that. He would have just kept on walking. Blind Barnabas over there in Mark chapter 10, verse 47. Blind Bart was over there sitting by the wayside. Same particular situation. I don't know if he had heard about this or not. I, I tried to study it out to see if it was maybe he was one of the two blind, but I couldn't find any indication of that. But almost the same story. He's over there. He hears that Jesus is coming his way and he begins to participate. And he cries out, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He was worshiping Jesus, right? And in his worship, the Bible says something interesting, that he stopped in the road. Our participation will stop heaven. Our participation will stop Jesus and draw him. Our participation attracts him to us. Are you hearing me? And so it isn't that I'm trying to get some people hyped up. It's not that I'm trying to get people emotional and, and stirred up and all of that. It is that when we participate in the word of God, when we participate in the presence of God, it's like a magnetic force in the spirit that draws God's kingdom unto us. Praise God. And so therefore, I desire to participate because I understand that I'm blind. Right? Now, if you're not blind, then, then you can, you can, you know, maybe you ain't got no problems at home. You can just, you know, kind of slide through and say, ain't that nice? There goes Jesus. Isn't he good looking? But if you're blind, huh? You don't know if he's coming by that way again anymore or not. All you know is this time you have an opportunity. This time, Jesus is coming by your way. Right now, he's right before you, and you have the opportunity and a choice that you can either spectate and tell, talk about how wonderful it was the day that he went by and how you felt good, or you can participate in that thing and draw the kingdom of God unto you where that Jesus will do something in your life. Praise God. And so I, I want to say to you today that don't, don't take the opportunities for granted. But when you sense the presence of God, if it's in worship or in the word, in your personal time, in your devotional time, whenever it is, don't take it for granted. But respond and participate with that atmosphere that has come into your life. Amen. I heard Jesus was passing by his way. He cried out. Number four, investment is necessary for growth. If you don't invest, then you don't withdraw. Investment is necessary for growth. The old church used to say it this way. You're going to get out of the service what you put in to the service. Right? I got two people remember that. 
If you don't put money in the bank, then you aren't going to get anything out when you go to make a withdrawal. The kingdom of heaven is the same way. You've got to invest in this thing. If you don't make an investment in your spiritual walk, then you will not grow. How many times have people had uh, come and, and they would, uh, you know, make investments in other things, but we make no investment in our internal soul. We make investments in homes. We make investments in, in nice cars, which is wonderful. We make investments in, in, in education. We make investments in, in, in making our life easier. And, and that's all wonderful and all good. But how much do you invest in your eternal soul? How much do you invest in your spiritual walk with God? You see, if we want to power, then we've got to make an investment. Amen. Ooh, that went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? But we've got to take and invest. And if we do not invest, then we can't expect to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. If we do not invest, we cannot expect to speak to the demonic spirits that have this generation so messed up and tell them to leave them alone and expect them to obey our voice. Because we have made no investment. Amen. I'll amen myself right there. But we've got to invest in this thing. If we expect to make a withdrawal. Number five is this, this book, this church of Acts is love is our language. Love is their language. Love must be our language. Amen. I already talked about it earlier, but I'll just hit it once again and then I'll slip on for the sake of time. But he said he didn't talk about gifts. He didn't talk about your talents. He didn't talk about your abilities. He didn't talk about if, if how spiritual we were. But he said, men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Amen. How can we say that we are of God if we say that we love God which we have not seen, but we cannot love our brother in which we do see? And so we have to have this love language. We have to have a language of love. I think uh, uh, Nathaniel talked about this too, you know, that, that just a smile would help us out. Right? Nobody wants to go to a church where it looks like everybody brushed with a dill pickle and gargle with vinegar. A smile will help us out. It says, you're welcome here. Right? Show that love one to another. Encourage one another with brotherly love. The sixth thing that I find in this church in Acts is faith is the currency. Faith is the currency. If you have the faith, and then it goes on to say the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And he said, if you don't believe in your heart, you shall have what you say. Right? It don't go on how much money we have. Because heaven isn't run on money. Heaven is run on faith. And, and let me just say this right here. I don't know. I, I have forgotten my watch tonight. Really did. And, and I've just running with some things that I wrote down this week for myself and thought I'd share them with you. Is that all right? But faith is not, it isn't in, sometimes if we're not careful, the enemy will tell us all the time, you don't have enough faith for this. You don't have enough faith to get healed. You don't have enough faith to get this prayer answered. You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. And he uses that against us to, to say that we don't have enough faith. But listen to me. He isn't talking about here having faith in your faith. He said, if you believe the word of God, have faith in the word. That what God said in his word, he will do it. And so therefore, my faith may be weak until I say, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
but I have faith that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. And so therefore, it isn't about the amount of faith that I have. I may be in the weakest season of my life, but if I believe the word, have faith in the word, amen, not that I've mustered up enough or I've accomplished enough, but I believe his word is going to work in my life, then guess what? He's going to do it. Why? Because faith is the currency of heaven. It moves the heart of God. And whenever I begin to declare the word of the Lord by faith, not by my feelings, he will watch over his word and hasten to perform it. Amen. Love is our language. Faith is the currency. Number seven, commitment is the cost. I mean, no, a lot of folks don't want to commit today. We don't have a problem in the world, you understand. We'll commit to a 30-year 30 30 note for a house. We'll commit to a five-year note on a car. We'll commit to uh, working 30 years for an employer. Come on. We don't have a commitment problem in the world. We have a commitment problem when it comes to the church. We don't want to commit because something better might come along. We don't want to commit because of issues. Now, I understand, hear me in the spirit I'm saying this, because all of us are different stages of life, right? And at the different stages of life, you can do different things. So, and that, for instance, somebody that's just had, you know, triplets don't have no time to be teaching. Come on. But if your kids are grown up and married, now you got some time on your hands where you can get into teaching and you can get into helping with this and doing that, right? Come on. And so different stages of life, different seasons of life, but I'm talking about being committed to the things of God, being committed to the kingdom work, being committed, amen, commitment is the cost. And so it, it costs you something for the power of God. Amen. And, and folks today, and, and I've made some mistakes along the way. I, I, there's been times whenever I've spent more time with the church than I have my family. And I try my best not to do that anymore. But there is a commitment that will cost you if you want the power of God in your life. People don't just walk up and preach the word of God with power and with authority and haven't invested and committed the time to study and reading and praying than seeking the face of God. The power of God doesn't manifest in a place just because he's up there and whoop, tabernacle's number today, let's blow on them a little bit and just show them our power that don't work that way. There's got to be a commitment and that commitment that it takes in prayer, that commitment of seeking God's face, that commitment of being dedicated to the house of God, right? And the work of the kingdom, it creates an atmosphere where the power and the presence of God is conducive to move and to minister in our lives. So commitment are you committed? The eighth thing that I find in this church is Christ is the king. Other people are the beneficiary of our serving, but Christ is the object that I'm serving. Amen. Hope you enjoy the singing. Hope you enjoy, amen, what takes place. But you see, it's only a secondary consequence of my worship to God that you get to get in on it. Right? Are you walking with me? But Christ is the king. So it, that means that if I don't like it, then it really doesn't matter. Hope you like it. Hope you enjoy it. But if you don't, you know, the object is Christ. He's the one that we're here to worship. He's the one that we're here to lift up. He's the one that we're here to glorify. Amen. And so he's got to be the king. He's got to be the Lord of all things. Amen. And then we, uh, so he is the king. And if he is not the king, then we must just go join another social club. Right? But where he is king, he will be lifted up. And Jesus must be lifted up. Amen. 
Now, number nine is this. Agreement is our culture. Agreement is our culture. You can't have power if there's not agreement. You can't have power. You can't have a move of God and people be fussing, fighting at the same time. There's got to be agreement. There has to be unity. Amen. We believe that if we agree, anything can happen. Amen. Every time people came into agreement, God did something miraculous. Every time in the scripture where you see the word agree or come together, one mind, one accord, whatever uh, the terminology is, you, you get ready because it is something that is very rare and God takes, uh, t- takes total and complete advantage of it when he finds that, uh, that rare moment when there is a unity, when there is a oneness, when there is a coming together. He takes full advantage of that and he does the miraculous where there is oneness of heart, where there is is agreement. And if we're going to have power in this last day church, we've got to be a church that has a a culture of agreement that says, amen, I'll put my differences aside, but I will agree with the word of God. I will agree with the direction of God that the kingdom of God may be established in this place, be established in my life and be established in my family. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, and the, you, you see in the upper room, they was endued with power, right? Acts chapter 3, it goes on and they're doing all of these miracles and people are being healed and people are being delivered and set free and all kinds of uncommon things are taking place, right? And then you go over to chapter 4 in verse, uh, let's see, chapter 4, verse 32 He tells us there. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And neither did anyone say any uh, thing that he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. What was the result? And with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all, right? And so great things were happening because they were in one mind, one accord. They were in a power and a place of unity. But then chapter five happens. Chapter five comes Ananias and Sapphira. Jim and Jill whatever you want to call them. But here they come and they are not in unity. And God says, I've got my church on a roll. I've got my church coming together. They're in one place. They're operating in boldness. They're walking in authority. The kingdom of heaven is being established in the earth. It, it, they're doing the assignment that I've sent them to do. And then God says that, that here comes Ananias and Sapphira that are in rebellion to the plan. They're not in agreement. Now walk with me because this is not about the money. It was theirs to give. It was about breaking a covenant. It was about the breaking of an agreement. It was about a breaking of a unity that was in the body of Christ. And it so upset God that he said, it's better for me to remove them quickly than to allow them to destroy what I've got going on. And God said, and they said, Right? Y'all know the story, right? Come in. Did you, did you sell it for this amount? I did. And watch this. He didn't say they lied to the apostles. He said they lied to the Holy Ghost. When they lied to the apostles, they said they lied to the Holy Ghost. Why? Because everyone was in unity except those two who said, They were in unity, 
with their actions, or their words, excuse me, but with their actions, they were in discord. And God said, I've got something going on here that's so miraculous, something that don't happen every day, and it's better for me to remove them now before it destroys my church. Are you with me? And so God removes them, not because he hates them. I know, you know, have you ever read the undertones of the Bible? I mean, here they are, and, and one comes in, he lies to the Holy Ghost, and he says, Boop, he's dead, and they said, carry him out. And then, you know, the other one didn't get word of it. And they come in and, and said, did you sell it for such and such? And he said, yeah. And he said, why would you lie to the Holy Ghost? Same ones took your husband, buried him, they're going to bury you. And boop, she dies, and they carry her out. And then, and then the Bible says, and great fear came upon them all. <laughs> what else do you think going to happen? <laughs> you know, I like those undertones that, that he just, uh, just puts that in there. Now, I know that, you know, I'm sure that something powerful would take place. But what I like is this. It said that so great fear come upon them all and, and upon all the church in those days. And then in verse 12, right after that. It said, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Amen. There was this battle, there was this struggle that was going on in the early church, and God removes it. Why does he remove it? Because unity is so precious to God. And it wasn't about the money. It was about a unity, because without unity, there cannot be power. And where there is not power, his kingdom cannot be established. And where his kingdom is not established, people's lives lay in ruin. People's lives are broken. People's lives are destroyed. And we must be about the Father's business, having oneness of heart, oneness of mind, so that the kingdom of God can be established within the earth. Amen. The last thing. Is this, I noticed this from the beginning of the book of Acts. Serving is the norm. From the beginning of God's church, it functions on volunteerism. Amen. God wants us to understand that he has blessed us, so we should also be a blessing. Amen. So that we be a blessing to somebody else. So that we be an encouragement to somebody else. Now, I'm almost finished here tonight. I thank you for your time and being patient. Your volunteerism, your light to the world doesn't mean that it just has to be here in the church. It can be in the community. It can be in school. It can be in a public place. Where, but you take it and you, you share the gift that God has given you so that men can see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Amen. His kingdom is advanced because serving him is the norm. I want you to understand that and understand you as a believer, wherever you engage, wherever you become a part, the burden ought to become a little lighter. The load ought to become a little easier. Why? Because you're there to serve. Amen? It shouldn't get harder because we're there. It should get easier because we're there. It should get better because we're there. Amen? Because we are there to serve. And as we serve God, people are served and ministered to. And when that happens, my brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God grows larger and stronger and greater than ever before. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the church of power. Don't you? Amen. This is what I want you to know tonight. This church of the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, would have never grown had it not been for pe the norm being that of participation. 
of serving. But after the day of Pentecost, and there was 120 full of power, the church struggled up until this time. We've seen a few miracles. We've seen some that believed. But after the day of Pentecost, the Gentiles, who were the dogs, right, would receive the gospel for the first time. We'd see the power of God moves and ministers because of the power of God and because people were serving that the church goes from 120 to 3,120 in one day. The next day, Peter said, that felt so good, let me try it again. He preached another message, and that day the church grew by another 5,000, so now there was 8,120 people in this new church. Why? Because people were serving. Amen? And it was a church that had power. I don't know about you, but I don't want just the norm, but I want to pay the price, whatever it takes, because I'm not satisfied with 30 I'm not happy with 60, but I want a hundredfold blessing. And everything that I put into the ground, I want it to come for us. Amen? It's not just about money. If you, if you put that on just money, then, then you're, you're cheapening the gospel. You're cheapening the word. But it's on your time, your talent, and your treasures. When you sow them into the kingdom, God will bring them back to you greater than ever before. And I'm happy about it, aren't you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me tonight? Everybody happy? Amen. We can't go nowhere with this kind of rain. If you left your windows down, I'm sorry. It's already wet. (laughs) You know what I want us to do tonight? I was praying today.